Hello again, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Freedom's Creed. Today is Thursday, November the 3rd, 2022. I published my last episode just two days ago, but what happened last night was something that I cannot hold back from talking about right now. The President of the United States gave a so-called speech on democracy last night, November the 2nd, 2022. Now, when I first started this podcast about a year and a half ago, I determined that the podcast would not be political, that I would concentrate and focus on principles of liberty and freedom. But what happened last night was something that I cannot get out of my mind. The sitting president did nothing more than probably anger millions upon millions of voters, regardless of political party. This episode is dedicated to dismantling the words of this man, starting right now. He started off the speech talking about the attack on Paul Pelosi, which ironically I talked about in my last episode. So if you haven't listened to that one, take some time to listen to it after you listen to this episode, of course. And let me just say at the outset here that I couldn't care less about your political party or affiliation or if you have none. I don't care. Yes, you should vote. You should be informed when you vote. And you should vote your conscience. Vote for the people that you believe will carry out the very things that you believe in to your core. That's the way you should vote. And it doesn't matter political party. Vote and let the chips fall where they may. And of course, elections should be monitored. They've been monitored since back in the 18th century, if not before. So yes, we want to monitor elections to make sure that they are fair to make sure that every vote does count, that one vote, one person counts. So I have no problem with that. This has nothing to do with what political party the president is, what political party I'm in. That doesn't matter. What matters is the assault carried out by the president of the United States of America. Well, after opening with the attack on Paul Pelosi, which... I should say, the alleged attack, and if it is a legitimate attack on this man, the perpetrator should be punished to the fullest extent of the law, period. But it didn't take him long, the president, that is, to morph into January 6th when he talked about that people broke windows, they kicked in doors, they brutally attacked law enforcement, and they roamed to the corridors hunting for officials and quote, erected gallows to hang the former vice president, Mike Pence, end of quote. (laughs) Are you kidding me? If the president of the United States has uttered more than a half a dozen syllables about the riots and the lawlessness of the summer of 2020, I would be shocked. But I don't think he has. Of January 6th, the president actually said, quote, It was an enraged mob that had been whipped up into a frenzy by a president repeating over and over again the big lie that the election of 2020 had been stolen, close quote. Now, it has been proven that this is a lie that the leftists have told nonstop since the election of 2020. 
Well, what about the times that Democrat candidates challenged elections? You know, people like Hillary Clinton and Stacey Abrams, etc., etc. Is that important to the president of the United States today? The current sitting president goes on to say, and actually before I talk about that, I'd like to just say that I'm going to be doing a lot of quoting from this speech, and it's important. It's important that I do it. It's important that you hear it, because you may not hear it based upon the news outlets that you choose to listen to. So I'm going to give it to you. If you want to go get it, go get it. It's what I did. Go get the transcript of the speech. Take the time to read it. Look at what he's actually talking about. Look at the things that he's actually saying, such as this, quote, the consequence of lies told for power and profit, lies of conspiracy and malice, lies repeated over and over to generate a cycle of anger, hate, vitriol, and even violence, close quote. Now, he may know a thing or two about uh, lies being told for profit, and I have just the example to share with you at this time. You may well remember the time that the vice president, Biden that is, bragged about his role in getting the prosecutor fired, who was uh, at the time investigating his son's uh, quote-unquote company. You remember that, right? Well, the Ukrainian president at the time, uh, Poroshenko, was told by Biden that the Obama administration was prepared to rescind a billion dollars in loan guarantees unless this uh, prosecutor general, Victor Shokin, who was looking into Biden's son, was, uh, you know, given the boot. Well, try to follow the quote as best you can. This is the vice president back in March of 2016 who said, quote, I said, nah, I'm not going to, or we're not going to give you the billion dollars. They said, you have no authority. You're not the president. The president said, I said, call him. I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting the billion dollars. I said, you're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here in, I think it was about six hours. I looked at them and said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor is not fired, you're not getting the money. Well, son of a bitch, he got fired and they put it in place someone who was solid at the time. Close quote. This statement and many others by the current sitting president makes one wonder how he actually received the Democrat nomination for president. Beyond me to be able to comprehend it. He goes on in the speech and says, in this moment, we have to confront those lies with the truth. The very future of our nation depends on it. Really? I'm not sure this man is that acquainted with the truth to be able to make such a statement. It's unbelievable. He goes on, quote, We must, with one overwhelming, unified voice, speak as a country and say there's no place, no place for voter intimidation or political violence in America, close quote. But uh, other types of violence is, is okay, especially when he thinks it may benefit himself and his party. Oh, I don't know, like the summer of 2020. Oh, there's that summer of 2020 again. Pesky, pesky summer of 2020. Mm. A little later, he said this, quote, but we'll have our differences. We'll have our difference of opinion. And that's what it's supposed to be, end of quote. But 
it doesn't seem like he actually really believes that everybody should have their uh, own opinion or even a difference of opinion. Hmm. He mentions democracy so many times in the speech. Well, that's great and all well and good and everything. But when he says, quote, recent polls have shown an overwhelming majority of Americans believe our democracy is at risk, that our democracy is under threat, they too see that democracy is on the ballot this year, and they're deeply concerned about it, close quote. I believe at this very moment, the president actually thinks that it's not good that democracy is on the ballot because he would just as soon be the ruler in chief and stay in office for as long as he could. I know he talked about Trump wanting to do that, but it seems to me that Trump did leave the office and whether or not he's going to run again is irrelevant at this point. Trump's out of office and has been for now nearly two years, I guess. Well, then Biden says this, Jim, we must vote knowing who we have been, what we're at risk of becoming. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, I vote knowing that Democrats were against the Civil Rights Act of 1964. And really, the only thing that's changed is that they have become more creative in keeping the very people down who they purport to be helping. You may be saying, well, Rex, that's pretty harsh language. Well, okay, it is. Look at the harsh language that he delivered in this so-called speech about democracy. He said this, quote, Freedom is not free. It requires constant vigilance. From the very beginning, nothing has been guaranteed about democracy in America. Every generation has had to defend it, protect it, preserve it, choose it, end of quote. It's kind of weird because out of one side of the mouth, he says wonderful things like that. But then on the other side of his mouth, he talks about the worst thing since taxes and parking meters is MAGA Republicans. (laughs) Wow. Continuing, quote, we the people must decide whether we will have fair and free elections and every vote counts. Close quote. Again, what about Democrats who have challenged elections? Are they wrong too? Continuing further, quote, we the people must decide whether the rule of law will prevail or whether we will allow the dark forces and thirst for power put ahead of the principles that have long guided us, close quote. Well, in my view, he has no respect for the rule of law. He used his position as VP to reward himself and those close to him. You can take that however you want. I really don't care. Let me stop here and say that I have no animus towards Joe Biden. I really don't. I don't hate the man. But what I am is angry that the sitting president of the United States would use the bully pulpit to smear and slander millions of American voters, as well as a former president of the United States. And right on cue, the president said this, quote, You know, American democracy is under attack because the defeated former president of the United States refused to accept the results of the 2020 election. If he refuses to accept the will of the people, if he refuses to accept the fact that he lost, he's abused his power and put the loyalty to himself before loyalty to the Constitution. And he's made a big lie, an article of faith in the MAGA Republican Party the minority of that party, end of quote. The way he speaks of the former president that he refuses 
to accept the will of the people. He refuses to accept the fact that he lost in the present tense. Buddy, that election was over almost two years ago, okay? And you came out on top. You're the president now. You don't have to be worried and looking over your shoulder thinking that Trump is going to come up behind you and choke you out in the middle of the night. Okay? Calm down. Now, this next quote is a real doozy. It's really hard to quantify all of these quotes, but I think this one probably actually ranks up near the top. He said, quote, The great irony about the 2020 election is that it's the most attacked election in our history. End of quote. I'm going to stop there. There's more, but I have to stop there. Hmm. Denying the right for women to vote was pretty despicable, if you ask me. And not so much with respect to being attacked while they voted, but just being denied the right to actually vote. But the mere fact that because they were women, they didn't get the right to vote till 1920. And he's wrong. What about the elections in the past where Democrats actually attacked and killed blacks for trying to vote and intimidated blacks for trying to vote? to exercise a right that black men received in 1870. What about that? He's saying that the 2020 election was worse than that? He said that it's the most attacked election in our history. My recommendation for him would be to do some remedial learning and training in history, because he has it completely wrong. (sighs) Continuing on with the quote, he said, and yet there's no election in our history that we can be more certain of its results. End of quote. How can he possibly know that the election of 2020 was more certain with respect to the results? How can he even know that? This, This man, he's out of control. He's angry in his white privilege, because he can't square the fact that back in the day when he was in the Senate, he sided with a known KKK member and actually respected and revered this person. If you don't know about it, go check it out. Again, I'm not a spoon feeder. I want you to go and find out stuff on your own. You should do that. It's everyone's responsibility. I simply don't understand why he and others have to keep talking about an election that he won. He's been the president now for just about two years, and it's been a painful two years for most people, I might add. Continuing with the speech, quote, Now extreme MAGA Republicans aim to question not only the legitimacy of past elections, but elections being held now and into the future. The extreme MAGA element of the Republican Party, which is a minority of that party, as I said earlier, but it's its driving force. <laughs> okay, I'm stopping there. But it's its IT apostrophe S I T S. Who's the speechwriter for this guy? Clearly, he doesn't look at the speech before he reads it. He just stands at the lectern and just reads the words that he sees on the teleprompter. Why wouldn't he edit that himself? Why wouldn't he look at the speech beforehand and say, you know what? These two 
it's, it is, I should say, and it's don't go well together. I mean, I'm no English major. That's certain. But I'd look at that and say, I don't like the way that looks. I don't like the way it reads. Let's get rid of it. But no, he can't even do that. Let me go on with the quote. He says, it's meaning the MAGA element of the Republican Party is trying to succeed where they failed in 2020 to suppress the right of voters and subvert the electoral system itself. That means denying your right to vote and deciding whether your vote even counts. End of quote. What I want to know is who died and left this guy in charge. I mean, seriously, this is tantamount to it dividing and inciting if I've ever heard it. And he thinks that Trump was guilty of similar tactics in 2020? Please. He goes on, quote, instead of waiting until an election is over, they're starting well before it. They're starting now. They've emboldened violence and intimidation of voters and election officials. It's estimated that there are more than 300 election deniers on the ballot all across America this year. We can't ignore the impact this is having on our country. It's damaging. It's corrosive and it's destructive. End of quote. So let me see if I understand this properly. Apparently, if you're not of the right political persuasion, you can be an election denier. You can be accused and maligned as being damaging and corrosive and destructive. What country are we living in? Is Biden the CEO of Pravda? You know, that old arm of the Soviet Union that promulgated all of their destructive communist ideas? Is, is that what's going on? Is, is he the head of Pravda in the United States of America today? I tell you what, our country is in peril and our republic is at risk because of the man who occupies the office of the president today. He goes on, quote, and I want to be clear, this is not about me, it's about all of us. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. It's about the durability of our democracy. For democracies are more than a form of government. They're a way of being a way of seeing the world, a way that defines who we are, what we believe, why we do what we do. Democracy is simply that fundamental. End of quote. Actually, when I think of fundamental, I think of LaVar Burton and the Reading is Fundamental organization. He joined that organization some years ago, and well, I think of LaVar Burton when I hear the word fundamental. That's just stuck in my mind. Anyway, I get off track. As far as I'm concerned, the Constitution defines who we are, what we believe, and why we do what we do. There are democracies, let's face it, all over the world, but only one Constitution like ours. We have the Bill of Rights. That's simply fundamental. His rhetoric is what is corrosive as far as I'm concerned. Continuing, he said, quote, democracy means the rule of the people, not the rule of monarchs or the moneyed, M-O-N-E-Y-E-D, but the rule of the people, end of quote. Does he not know the extent to which big money rules in our system of government today? Is he not aware of that? Surely he must be. Shall we continue? He says, quote, autocracy, 
is the opposite of democracy. It means the rule of one, one person, one interest, one ideology, one party, end of quote. You know, if I didn't know better, it sounds like he is trying to set himself up as an autocrat. I mean, think about it. He's, again, on one side of his mouth, advocating for free and fair elections and everything's wonderful. Yet on the other side of his mouth, he's saying, we got to watch out for these other people because they are a threat to our democracy, a.k.a. they shouldn't be voting because they're MAGA Republicans. This guy is really a piece of work. Frankly, ladies and gentlemen, I could have read every single word of this speech and then given my commentary on it because it's such a troubling, troubling speech. I, there's no other way to say it other than that. The next quote, he says this, quote, Make no mistake, democracy is on the ballot for all of us. We must remember that democracy is a covenant. We need to start looking out for each other again, seeing ourselves as we the people, not as entrenched enemies. Disunion and chaos are not inevitable. There's been anger before in America. Yeah, he's angry now. There's been division before in America. But we've never given up on the American experiment, and we can't do that now. End of quote. Well, then, I just want to know why he's antagonizing millions of voters with this divisive rhetoric and the tone that he uses. It's just unbelievable that we would stand for something like this. It's disgusting in my mind. Moving right along. Quote, the remarkable thing about American democracy is this. Just enough of us, on just enough occasions, have chosen not to dismantle democracy, but to preserve democracy. We have to remember that even in our darkest moments, there are fundamental values and beliefs that unite us as Americans, and they must unite us now. End of quote. Can I just say this? <laughs> that is, historically, for generations, Democrats wanted nothing more than to dismantle the Union because they couldn't get their way with the institution of slavery. Mm-hmm. That's right. I said that. He and his party have been on the wrong side of history more often than not. This current iteration of this Democrat party looks nothing like the party of, oh, I don't know, JFK, for instance. And I'd simply like to know why he wasn't or didn't give a speech about uniting America. Why not talk about all the good that's going on, all the good that his administration has done to help the American people? Now, granted, it may not have been a very long speech if he would have done that, but I think he would have endeared more people to him had he tried to highlight what's going on that's good that his administration is doing. But because, in my view, there's not a whole lot going on that's good from this administration, all he has left within himself and his people is to attack. That's it. He goes on, he talks about the sacred right to vote and how that should be honored and not denied. It should be respected and not dismissed and counted, not ignored. He said that a, quote, 
vote is not a partisan tool to be counted when it helps your candidates and tossed aside when it doesn't, closed quote. What is he doing now but using it as a partisan tool to demonize anyone who doesn't agree with him and his party? Clearly, he's doing this. If people can't see this, then I, I don't know what to say. It's baffling to my mind. The more I hear this man talk, the more I realize and think, mm-hmm, yep, that sounds autocratic to me. Well, here's another beauty, quote, We don't settle our differences, America, with a riot, a mob, or a bullet, or a hammer, end of quote. Oh, yes, but uh, in 2020, well, all those riots that took place across America, yeah, that was okay because, well, you know, it wasn't political. So, you know, they were trying to help the people who were down with the struggle. So they had to definitely let those go on, right? Jeez. He says, quote, we have to be honest with ourselves, though. We have to face this problem. We can't turn away from it. We can't pretend it's just going to solve itself, end of quote. If he really truly believed in we the people, then that's exactly how this problem gets solved if he thinks there is one. Leave it to the people at the ballot box in every election to decide what they want to do going forward. Let the people actually decide the election. Sounds good to me. Continuing, he said, quote, I believe the voices excusing or calling for violence and intimidation are a distinct minority in America, but they're loud and they're determined. End of quote. <laughs> yeah, they sure are. That's you, buddy. That's you being loud and using the bully pulpit to intimidate other people. <laughs> it's unacceptable. He is merely doing it under the guise of a suit and a tie, but it's intimidating nevertheless. Here's another quote. History and common sense tell us that liberty, opportunity, and justice thrive in a democracy, not in an autocracy. Close quote. Again, he's using intimidation to distract people from reality, like inflation, division, high gas prices, high food prices, etc., etc. Here's another quote. At our best, America is not a zero-sum society, or for you to succeed, someone else has to fail. Close quote then why is he and his party constantly pitting corporate America against workers? Is that not advocating that the worker is failing because of the greed of the corporation? <laughs> Please. Then he says this, quote, We believe we should leave no one behind because each one of us is a child of God and every person. Every person is sacred. If that's true, then every person's rights must be sacred as well. Closed quote. And of course, that right is sacred. Except, of course, for those who don't get the right to be born. He then says, and we're near the end of it, quote, We want Americans to vote. We want every American's voice to be heard. Closed quote. Well, now, I don't think that in his heart of hearts that he really does want every American's voice to be heard. If you're a MAGA Republican, then you can just shut the hell 
up. Quote, this year, I hope you'll make the future of our democracy an important part of your decision to vote and how you vote, close quote. In other words, don't vote for those nasty, evil, democracy-hating, racist, homophobic, and freedom-hating MAGA Republicans. No, no, don't do that. That would be bad. That would be terrible. You got to make sure that you're voting how he wants you to vote. You got to read between the lines, people. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we have come to the end of this episode for now. And I do hope that you take the time to look at the speech that the president gave, that you would dissect it, perhaps even more than I have just done for each of you, and look at what it means to you and your life and the lives of your family and loved ones. Because it's a serious speech not for the reasons that the president actually thinks. My quote for this episode comes from a book written by Larry Arn. It's called The Founder's Key, and he had this to say, quote, In political terms, the operation of self-interest helps to lay the basis for the kind of liberal society established in all the major laws following from the American Revolution. For there to be representative government, there must be an independent society to be represented. What happens in this society is private, not public, and yet it has profound public significance. End of quote. I would venture to say that as private as the President of the United States can be, the things that he says, the bully pulpit that he uses, is profound in its significance to the public. If we do not keep our elected officials in check, if we don't take the time to look at the issues, vote our conscience, then this country will be overrun and the Constitution will be a thing of the past if it's allowed to be usurped by those who would love nothing more than to replace it. My prayer and my hope is that we, the people, will do all we can to make sure that the Constitution is not subverted or usurped by the people that we elect to represent us. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, if you can think it, you can plan it. If you can plan it, you can do it. <laughs>